Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 24 of the On the Sidelines podcast. I'm Dom Picaro. As always, we have a great guest for you here today. University of Washington fan and game day assistant Ann Bacchamus joins us. Ann, how are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to have you on. And once again, if you enjoy this episode along with the others, you can follow us on Twitter at OTS underscore podcast underscore or on Instagram at OTS underscore pod. Now, Ann has a pretty lengthy career with teams in the Washington, specifically Seattle area, along with the University of Washington. She's worked with the Seattle Storm of the WNBA, Seattle Sounders FC of the MLS, Seattle Seawolves of Major League Rugby, and the Seattle Dragons of the XFL. So a lot to talk to, and I'm happy to have you on. I'm excited to share and for us to get into it. All right. Uh, first, you have a lot of positions. Uh, you've had a lot of positions in the Seattle area. Just to start, how have you managed to kind of incorporate all of those at the same time? Because some of those positions are you're working uh, simultaneously, correct? Definitely. So um, for me, uh, the greatest thing is being transparent and open with the people that I'm working with and the teams I'm working with. Um, so a lot of the time, what I'm able to do is when I get a season schedule, I'm able to lay it out and see when I have uh, conflicting timing um, and then go to my boss um, and say, hey, I know that we're really short on these games. I'm going to stay and be loyal to the team um, and work those games and then go to my other employer and say, hey, um, I know that we're set to go. We have a solid team here. Are you okay with me uh, taking this game off to work at another event? So it's a lot of being organized and pre-planning, um, but also creating that rapport and that relationship with your boss and basically telling them, um, I'm going to work my butt off while I'm here for you, but there are other opportunities and other things that are happening at the, um, at the same time. Um, and to backtrack, I normally, whenever I go into an interview or a job, um, I let them know that these are the things that I already have going on um, and that they're a priority. And they actually help me um, in becoming a better employee for whatever team I'm working for because there's a lot of uh, tasks and skills that uh, overlap that I'd be able to provide for one um, and the other. So in a very lengthy way of saying, um, just making sure that you're communicating and that you're allowing yourself uh, the ability to uh, work with all the different organizations that I'm a part of. Now, currently with the University of Washington, you're a fan and game day assistant. Can you kind of just take us through what that means and what you do on a daily basis out of the University of Washington? Definitely. So um, right now during COVID, it's a little unusual. Um, anyone in the sports world knows that uh, our world kind of is upside down at the moment. Um, but thankfully, uh, as the progression of coming back into play has happened, um, I'm able to work events again. So um, right now we're in the midst of our softball season um, and our softball team is very good. We're nationally ranked, uh, go dogs. Um, and so um, I have many different hats. So it depends on whatever the sport is. Um, the way that our program is set up is um, we have a large group of all of our sports. Um, actually 27 to be specific, or 22, sorry, um, and then seven that are ticketed. So um, we break it down within our 
um, marketing department and um, I'm in charge of volleyball and um, softball. So um, that means that I'm writing scripts for games. I'm communicating with our PA announcers, making sure that all of our digital assets for game day um, are set and ready to go with our digital team. Um, I'm working with any outside, if we have anthem singers um, or any um, sort of entertainment that's coming in to be a part of the game, um, I'm in charge of coordinating and all of that stuff. Um, but then in a different light, if I'm not the one directing and um, leading a sport, I get to be um, of help to my other coworkers um, doing on the floor um, stage managing at men's and women's basketball um, or being on the field at football. Um, and so it's really nice that not any day is like the other um, and you really get to be all around and involved in um, sports every single day. Um, so it's a lot of fun. Um, in addition to that, you get to learn skills that are applicable to anything. So um, writing down Photoshop and um, making sure you know how to use um, all the different uh, organizational tools like your Dropboxes and your Smartsheets. Um, so just a lot of managerial experience um, and jobs that you got to handle and then a lot of uh, managing and day-to-day -day, uh, operations. So it's a lot of fun. Definitely a lot to unpack in your job with the University of Washington. But uh, to start, I do want to get to this as well. When I first saw your resume, I thought this is definitely someone that I can relate to with a bunch of different experiences in the same city at the same time. And a lot of people have asked me when I was doing multiple different roles at, in the same city, how I managed to maintain all of those jobs at once and how I was able to kind of get all those jobs at once. So for you, how did you manage to insert yourself into all of these different teams? Was it something like one job led to another or is it, okay, I see a new team that's being built in Seattle. I'm going to go for it. Definitely. So backtracking the way I got started in uh, sports is I think it was my sophomore year of college. Um, so 2016 dating myself at this point. Um, I needed a summer internship um, and I was going to school over in a small college town in Washington, uh, Pullman at uh, Washington State University. And um, I was coming back home to Seattle because that's where I spent my summers. Um, and so I was able to network um, through some friends of my family um, and get a job as um, a production assistant with the storm. Um, and so at first I was like, oh, this is just going to be a summer job. I don't really see, um, I, that wasn't my career path. I was going into communication and thought I was going to work for a hospitality company, um, and do events. Um, but I was like, this is awesome. I love basketball. I've been playing since I was like three years old. So like, why not? Um, so I got in, um, uh, and the first day I met Sue Bird and had to interact with her for a media day shoot, which. Um, if people aren't too familiar, you're basically their um, liaison for all of the different uh, media stations that they go through. Um, so to have that wow, uh, iconic person in front of you um, and just having that experience, um, I was like, wow, like this is so cool. And as the season went on and that summer went on, I was like, wow, I really actually see myself getting into this. I just didn't know how. Um, so then, like you've mentioned, there were a lot of opportunities um, 
that working with one team led to working or networking within uh, the team that I was working with led to other jobs. So um, after I graduated in 2018, um, I was still working for the storm um, and loving that every single um, season that I get to come back. I think this is going to be my fifth season at this point. Um, so I, I feel you on uh, being a part of having a longstanding um, job with a certain team and then having to branch off. Um, but for me, what was most important um, was being the best employee I could be at that company that I was at before I moved on to another because I didn't want to lose the tie that I had um, to begin with. Because if it's a foundation, if you're going to just cut off whatever you have to go jump to the next, that's not the way to do it. And in sports, it's such a small world that like the connections and the networking and your Rolodex of people that you have um, really should be maintained at all times. Um, so then I was introduced to um, someone at uh, the Sounders um, and started working two weeks after um, I had gotten an introduction um, with their team um, and have been loving that as well. Um, the one other thing is, sorry, I'm taking a left turn in our conversation. Um, but a lot of the positions that I work are seasonal. So that's a very positive to the array of jobs that I work that I'm able to make them work because they're not all full year, full-time positions. Um, so in doing that, it makes sense that I could do an XFL job in uh, the winter time, so January, February, and then come May, uh, June, that's when the WNBA season comes in. And MLS is sporadic because their season is a lot longer, but it works and there's uh, compatibility with schedules and whatnot. Um, but I think it's definitely just me being able to network from one team to the next. Um, and then having those people that I look to as mentors being like, hey, I'm really interested in um, figuring out or finding more out about this team. Do you have any insight that you can give me? Um, or do you think this is a good idea for me to communicate with? these three people that are in our same positions uh, or equivalents uh, and then reaching out and just asking for an informational interview or even just, hey, I saw this, this is really great, congratulations on what you're doing and create an organic conversation that then you can start um, to learn and uh, grow a relationship with the different teams. So. Again, I'm going to say in a long-winded answer, it's a lot of making sure that you're able to have a good foundation where you are with the teams you're with, and then network and use those to build um, and create more relationships with other teams within the same market. I want to jump back to what you said earlier with Sue Bird, because it's something that has been brought up on this podcast a lot of that starstruck moment where a lot of people who work in sports, they kind of have that first moment where they're like, oh, wow, like this is big time for me. The Boston Celtics internship, my first day I was on the court with LeBron James. And that was, I've mentioned on this podcast before, it was like, oh my God, like I'm here, I'm doing this. So for you in that moment, what was that like where you were on the court, you were working with, I mean, arguably the best player ever to play in the WNBA? Uh, words are very hard to describe it. I think it wasn't until I was out of the moment that I was able to actually be like, wow, like you were having a daily interaction with 
an icon and not only for the amazing things that she's doing now off the court, but her ability to be so transcendent for so long and just how, and excuse my language, but how badass that she is and that the entire WNBA is. You look at their impact that they were able to make this last season being secluded in their wobble that it's just I'm I'm in shock and awe that I've even had the opportunity of even saying hello to her um to tell you kind of the story of how that came about um we were doing a shot for the intro video um for the season and um there was one moment where they were trying to make it real dramatic um and show that she was kind of glistening with um, some sweat or whatever, but not, not actually. So I was there as her water girl spritzing her. Um, so every like 30 seconds, they'd be like, okay, cut, stop. And I'd have to go in there and make sure that she was all nice and glistening so that they could get the perfect shot. But I never thought that in my career, that would be something that I'd like actually enjoy and really like. Um, but I still look back and be like, I have to say that was the first moment where I was like, this is the coolest thing, even though it's so minuscule to the job that I do and the different interactions that I get to have uh, with so many different amazing people every day. Now, you mentioned that it was your sophomore year when you realized that you wanted to work into sports. But before that, as you mentioned, you weren't really planning on going into the sports field. Now, what's interesting about the fan engagement department and things along those lines in sports. It's just not really a, uh, there's not really a department for that in college. You can't graduate with a, with a fan engagement degree or a sports entertainment degree. So for you, how important were the internships that led you into all these roles and being able to get that experience in college, even though you weren't necessarily going towards that in your studies? Definitely. I think there's a lot of transferable skills that you can get from any work experience that you put yourself in. Um, so if it, if I was working uh, the front desk for my college at that point, um, I would make sure that the organizational skills and the calendar and managing all of that stuff, I could make that transferable to another job where I saw that it was of importance. Um, with having those summers to be able to kind of focus and hone in on what I wanted to do or what I was thinking that I enjoyed and it became more of marrying my passion with work, um, I was like, okay, how can I capitalize on this? Um, but I think it's the biggest thing for me was knowing that, okay, you're right. There isn't a degree, even if you get a sports management degree, cause some universities have uh, that opportunity, not everyone does. So how do you take a marketing degree, a communication degree, and apply that to the very um, niche, and I say that very broadly, but the niche version of what sports is. There are so many skills that you can learn outside of it that will help you be successful in the long run. Um, so it was definitely taking those um, organizational skills or the ability to talk to people or schedule meetings or um, write an email. You'd be surprised that like the basic skills that you think like, oh, I'm never going to use that actually come up in everyday experiences that you're like, wow, I'm glad that like I was taught the right way and that 
I can communicate efficiently with any person I come in contact with. But that's also not only via technology and the screens that we're on, uh, but face-to-face -face and being personable and able to communicate with people efficiently, um, but also in a kind manner um, that you're not being uh, overly aggressive or anything of that matter. So it's been a lot of um, things that you take from every day have been able to be applied to um, the skills and jobs that I do on a daily basis. Do you feel that every experience you've had, you've gained a little something extra in your career in sports? Absolutely. Um, every day we are preached here at the University of Washington from Jen Cohen, who's our uh, AD, and she says, get better every day. So GBED. Um, and it's kind of that one thing that all of us come together and we're like, what can we do to become one step better every single time we do something? If we mess up, that's the nature of the beast, but you learn from that and you don't make those same mistakes again. So it's uh, being able to understand that everyone is human, things happen, you're doing live sports, so things don't go as planned 100% of the times and you have to be okay with that. Um, but knowing and realizing that you need to be able to have that go wrong, address it, and then move on because the next day you could have a different array of situations happen to you that you need to be able to adapt and uh, respond to um, in any way that you can. And I think that's great advice. And one of the things that I've mentioned on this podcast, just like you said, the best piece of advice that I've gotten was at my Boston Celtics internship. And it was someone that said it's live sports. There's going to be mistakes made. And I think a lot of people who went through the industry don't really realize that you, there are mistakes and you can mess up. And the main thing is not having that same mistake twice. Exactly. Well, and I think it's also with the idea that you really – when you walk into a situation, you got to make the best of it. And you got to, uh, you were talking with um, the Celtics and NBA, um, and she's done the dance uh, coach. Maria. Uh, yes. Um, and so I was listening to that. And with her ability to say, like, she was able to grasp everything from every different team. You, that I use that same experience for me when I'm working with the different teams that I have, that it's, if one mistake happens at one team, you log that in the back of your mind and you say, okay, how can I make sure that that doesn't happen down the road with other sports teams that I'm looking or that I'm working for? So I think it's, you're absolutely right in that it's live sports. Things are going to happen. No one is expecting you to be perfect. And let's be real. We are a little bit more nitpicky on how things happen. And if they go wrong, that the average fan, I would hope and kind of assume don't really see it as big of a deal unless it's a mic goes out while you're singing a national anthem um, during a big game. But most of the time, what we think is like, oh my God, an absolute no-no, the average fan isn't going to be uh, thrown off or their experience isn't going to be completely altered because of what is happening. It's a great point. I feel like a lot of us that work in sports are kind of perfectionists too. You know, we always want everything to be a hundred percent right. So maybe things that go wrong, the average fan, like you said, probably doesn't notice at the end of the day. No, we always strive to do better. And we always strive that every game needs to be tip top uh, for it to be a good event. 
Now, you've had a unique opportunity of working outside of what they call the core four sports in the country. You know, you've had the opportunity to work rugby, soccer, um, some sports that are bigger in other countries, and even, you know, gymnastics at the University of Washington and sports like that. How has that impacted your career working in all these different sports and giving you the opportunity to see how each individual sport works as opposed to just working maybe one or two sports in your career? Definitely. I think it's very unique that Seattle, yes, we have uh, an MLB team with the Mariners and we have an NFL team with the Seahawks, but we also have, well, and coming the NHL with the Kraken, um, but having the unique opportunity to have more non-mainstream sports um, is a blessing because I'm able to look at maybe a smaller market than what you see um, in the NFL or the MLB or uh, the NBA and say, how can we be creative and what can I do and learn from the people that are sitting at the table while I'm stage managing or while I'm being on the court doing whatever um, and be able to apply that in a bigger way once I get to that step. So it's been nice to know um, with soccer, it's that fan base is just so electric. And if you've never been to an MLS game, we'll, we'll figure something out to get you out to a Sounders game. But it's just so, it's so wild. And you get that when you're at the bigger sports. But to see that there is a fandom and that there is this connection to the community that is so strong that it makes you want to work um, and do your best and figure it out because you don't have the money that maybe the bigger sports have, which whether whatever reason that is for, it just pushes you to be more creative and think outside the box and figure out different and creative ways uh, to do something that maybe not all the other teams are doing or can start a trend to get people uh, to hop on board with uh, something that they saw that was cool. Um, what I've been able to do, especially during quarantine, was um, be able to stock a lot of social media and reach out to different people and say like, oh, how did you do that? That's really amazing and I loved your execution and be able to take that to whatever level that I'm at um, that is, uh, how do I say this? Cost effective within the different um, organizations that I'm working in, or at least just being like, okay, I'm watching this stuff. I see it and bringing it to a boss or um, one of my other coworkers and being like, Hey, I saw this. I think it's awesome. How can we put it into practice um, with whatever sport that we're working on? So it's a lot of fun with trying to be creative in those different avenues and having the ability to float from one team to the other most of the time overlapping at some point so that you can see what works at one sport that could maybe not work at another or vice versa and having that opportunity um, all at once or all throughout the year. From a marketing standpoint, how does a sport like rugby where fans are really going there because they want to watch rugby differ from maybe a sport like baseball where it's a Friday night and fans are just going to take the family out on a, on a Friday night event? Absolutely. So you're right. Uh, rugby season ticket holders or just rugby fans that want to come and watch it have at least an idea of what they're going to expect. For me, when I came and worked my first rugby match, I had no idea. But the beautiful thing is Google is free, so you can go online and look it up. So I 
knew some of the like basic rules, but until you get there and you see the fandom and you see everything that's going on, you don't know what electric is until you see, a, I would say, fairly small, medium-sized stadium electric. And they're going crazy to watch these guys like get on each other's shoulders and throw the ball. And I'm like, what is going on? But they're just so enamored by what is happening and what's going on in the game. Um, so to know that there is fandom like that just makes me like, okay, so what is next? Where can America adapt rugby that is so loved across the water and bring it over here? And how can we make this bigger and uh, create a growing market? So I would say baseball would be more traditional and you kind of know, and I would say the average fan has an idea of what's going on at a baseball game. And I see now that the trend is more, baseball games are more of an experience. You go not only for the game, but you go for the food and you go for the uh, different elements that you're getting. So it's kind of, you're getting satisfied with all of your sensory um, different options. Um, whereas with rugby or um, anything, any type of game like that, um, you're going there to actually watch the sport and watch the skill that these men have. Now, throughout the sports world, Seattle is kind of known for being allowed, being electric. And on top of that, it seems like they're always kind of starving for more sports. The Kraken just got introduced in the NHL. It seems there's always rumors about the NBA having any, another expansion team there after um, the Supersonics left. And then the Seahawks, the 12th man, and you know how loud that stadium is. So, for you, what's it like working in the Seattle area where the fan base is one of the most electric in the country? It's honestly amazing because you know every single day that you're going to work with whatever team in the Seattle area that you know you're going to get diehard fans that love the team and the ebbs and flows of having the ultimate success to maybe not so much. It doesn't matter. You know what you're gonna get with the Seattle fan. And that is excitement and pride and just a love of the team. Um, I was joking with my family uh, probably about a month ago and um, my dad brought up the idea that we're kind of the underdog. Whether we are successful, like we have been in our, some of our teams, um, we're that one that's gritty enough that's like, it doesn't matter, you can't count us out. We will always be there. We'll always be on the hunt, always pushing to be better and wanting to be better. So I think that's also with the culture of why we're always striving for more teams. Um, and so having that ability to know that we're always plotting, we're always in the hunt, um, just makes it the reason why we want to be successful and we want to have more teams so that we can embrace them and show the pride and the fandom um, and just be able to celebrate what Seattle's about and the team and competition that we're able to put up here in the Northwest. So in 2020, the XFL was announced back as a league and the Seattle Dragons obviously were one of the teams that were announced there. So when that announcement was made, did you think to yourself, okay, I have to work there, just another team in Seattle that I really want to work for? Uh, no. So uh, talking about networking, um, uh, one of the women I worked with at the Seattle Storm um, was able to be put into the 
lead stage manager position um, for the XFL or well for the Seattle Dragons. And um, she had called me up about a week before um, their first game and was like, hey, um, I have this opportunity. I need two stage managers. What are you doing? Are you available? And I think I maybe questioned it for like a second because I was like, oh, my schedule. But I was like, there was nothing in it that I was like, no, I'm not going to not do that. Like, that's so cool. It's such a different market. There's so many, there's so much hype around what this can be and how cool it is um, that I was like, I need to go for it. So um, we went to orientation. Um, we saw kind of the uh, foundation that they've set um, over the entire uh, league. Um, but then they were asking us for input on stuff um, of what makes Seattle um, Seattle and how can we tap into that market and make it so that it feels like our team and our city can get around it. Um, so the first game, just to see, because NFL games, like the stadium is packed, you know, like Seattle can create earthquakes, but to see a similar fan base come out granted it wasn't completely full but to have a fan base like that at the inaugural game and the inaugural season is just incredible and with the xfl we were able to do so many unconventional things that you maybe can't do at a nfl game or what you would think as a traditional um, sporting event that you could have commentators going up to the players while play is happening and asking them and interviewing questions or pulling uh, just legendary players from different sports teams throughout the Seattle area and having them come up and have moments of hyping the fans up that you might not get um, again in the traditional uh, sports scene. So it was just so fun that we could be so creative with what we were doing um, and also having uh, the ability uh, and the go-ahead to do those things. I think that's really interesting about the XFL because, as you mentioned, the one thing that kind of separated them from the NFL was their ability to think outside of the box and to be able to have promotions that the NFL may not have had. Yes, definitely. It's. I look back, and I'm so sad that uh, the XFL is no longer um, – happening but I do have to say with those couple of months that we were in COVID really really shut that down which I'm very sad about but to see the creativity and the out what you're talking about the ability to be outside the box and try new things and saying okay we're either going to keep it or we move on to the next um, and having that quickness and ability to change on a dime um, was so refreshing and so fun to be a part of. As someone who works in fan engagement and marketing, was that more fun for you being able to think as outside of the box as you want to, as opposed to like your traditional games? So I really, in the ideation of the ideas that we were doing, I wasn't there sitting at the table, so I can't really speak to that. But the execution, um, I think both of them have their, um, pros and cons, but I think it was just nice that it was something new and different um, that I maybe not had either experienced or been a part of um, previously in my other uh, team experiences. 
So we mentioned the XFL, but you also work for the Seattle Sounders as well. And 24 episodes into this podcast now, I'm pretty surprised with how many champions we've had on here. How many people that have worked for championship organizations in the past. And now you're added onto that list. Uh, Seattle Sounders in 2019 won the MLS, MLS Cup. So for you, what was that like being a part of a championship team and going through that that run to the championship? Uh, I no words can describe it. Uh, being down on the pitch when the final seconds tick off and you know that the team has won an MLS championship is just amazing because, I mean, the laundry list of phenomenal people that you've had on this podcast, people work their entire careers in sports striving to get to that championship. And not only have I won one with the MLS, uh, with the Sounders, I've also won one with the Storm. And so to say that is just amazing in and of itself. Did I ever see this in my future or the ability that I could say that? No. Um, but I just, I'm so grateful and lucky to be a part of organizations that A, have the team that's able to grind and put their hearts out there every single game that they step on the field or the court um, is just amazing. But also that the support staff and the um, people that are working day to day to make this happen are so amazing. Um, so I guess what story Brent comes to mind with uh, the Sounders when they won is um, we were all standing in um, the corner of the pitch um, waiting and we had to go and we were essentially going to be like bodyguards for the team. Well, when that happened, everyone erupted. And so it was like everyone storming the field and we're like, okay, I guess we're, we're the barrier to make sure all of this goes well. Um, but just having that experience and being able to be like, okay, you're still working, you're still on, you get to celebrate, but you still need to make sure that you are doing your job and doing it well, um, was one of those moments where it's like, this is so kick butt, but you just kind of have to take a moment, breathe, do finish your job, and then you can celebrate with um, everyone in that moment, um, working towards something that's so amazing. Well, I think if anything, this podcast has taught the listeners, it's that if you're working in sports and you win a championship, you're ultimately going to have to become a bodyguard because Marina Ortega <laughs> said the exact same thing when describing the 2008 championship, where they were all kind of bodyguards and holding the fans back as barricades. Yes, absolutely. So now into Washington, uh, you work your whole career before that with professional athletes, whether it was the WNBA, the MLS, or the XFL. So going into Washington, where you're working for a collegiate athletics program now, what was the difference between those two, whether it's the athletes themselves or just in general, the work environment? Definitely. So working at a university has been the most amazing thing for me because you have more of a relationship with uh, not only your student athletes, but with the students that are involved within the department. So you're able to get an ear on what students are liking trends um, and be able to adapt and change um, pretty quickly with what they want and what they need. Um, what I love is, again, the media days that we get to share with our student athletes and seeing their personalities 
um, come to life and being able to highlight those with whether it's a silly game that we're playing to play up on the video board um, or whether it's an interview that they're doing for media before the season starts um, and just having that relationship to know who these individuals are and be able to put them and shine them in the best light of the amazing individuals that they are. Um, I have a unique experience where um, the department, the marketing department um, that I work for is a lot of females. And then we have our um, mark CMO, uh, Brian Bowsher, who's the best, uh, shout out Brian. Um, but the majority of people that I work with are predominantly female. And so I, normally you don't see that within uh, the different organizations throughout sports. And so to have that ability to learn from them and get that experience has been uh, so monumental in my growth and development throughout the sports world. So I think it's very different because you're not, um, the day-to-day -day looks different, but the ability to uh, learn and interact with the different individuals um, on a daily basis, they're still, they're still athletes. You still treat them with respect. You still treat them uh, with professionalism. Like we still have professionals that are coming to collegiate games that we're having in to interact with on a daily basis, but the principles still stand with professional or collegiate. It's just a matter of what your day-to-day -day looks like and at what caliber you're able to do it so that you're not getting in trouble um, with NCAA or um, any of the different sanctions or anything that's being um, put as a rule in your place. So um, I don't think it's a lot different or well, there are differences, but I don't think it's um, so catastrophic that one is so singular than the other. How much have the people that you've worked either under or worked with impacted you when now you're um, taking control of an intern team and, you know, leading a group of say 10 to 15 interns on a game day? Definitely. It's uh, made me who I am as both a communicator, as a leader, um, but also as a worker. Like when you're working with so many different people in so many different departments and there's so much crossover, you need to figure out A, who you are and then how to better yourself for the people that you're working for and who are working under you. I'm one of those people that it's like, if you can't get down in the dirt and do whatever an intern's doing and spend an hour laminating things, then you're not gonna be a efficient manager when you task someone to do that. So I've seen a lot of great uh, leadership skills with the people that I work with um, because they've taught me and instilled in me, this is how you effectively run a team or this is the leadership style that I've learned and I think you could benefit from, but also, make it and once fine tune it to what you want it to be and what your style is and what works best for you. Um, so I think it's, again, the world that we live in in sports is so relationship based and being able to work with so many different types of people that it's so important that you're able to take tidbits from wherever you are or whoever you work with and be able to apply that to be efficient in your style of both leading and uh, being an efficient worker as well. I think that's a great point about leadership. I know from personal experience, my bosses are the Bravehearts. Shout out Dave and John if they're listening to this. Um, you know, I've seen them 
on their hands and knees picking up trash in between innings in the stadium, you know, after games, stuff like that. So I feel like it really is important in a leadership position to lead by example. I know that's something that a lot of people on this podcast have talked about. Definitely. Well, and we all start at the same spot normally. So we all know and can have that sort of bond with what we're going through. And we've been, we've all been there at one spot. And even when I am joking around with my interns about doing the medial tasks that you're like, I just don't want to do it. You got to do it. And if you have a good attitude about it, it makes it 10 times better. And when you look back years down the line and you're like, oh, I know exactly what you're feeling. I can put myself back in those experiences and be like, it gets better. I promise it gets better. Um, It's just so nice and so good and heartwarming to look back on and be like, yep, I I know the grind and I'm in it with you and we're all working as a team and it's all worth it. Now, not many people outside of coaches really go into an athletic department for one specific sport. As you, along with many others, you're working a plethora of different sports. So for you, how much of your experiences outside of Washington helped you to adjust to that role where you could be jumping from volleyball to softball to football all on the same day? I think it's A, listening and learning um, from your outside, whether it's bosses or coworkers. Um, or just overall looking and reading and wanting to be better uh, and then bringing that into whatever you're working on to the day-to-day. You kind of have to do a hat switch of if you're doing, if you have a softball series like I have this weekend, then you got to be fully on, committed, 100% focused on that sport, but in the back burner, still be able to be organized and following enough with the other sports so that you can then, when you take off your softball hat and maybe put on your volleyball hat for another set of games, you're ready to go and you're setting yourselves up for success. Um, But what's awesome to your point about working with uh, professional sports and bringing that into the collegiate space is there's a lot of um, different, whether it's contests or um, fan engagement pieces, that I can do at a professional game that I can then bring into a collegiate space and say, okay, how can we make this work within our settings? So it's being able to use those creative juices and um, ability to change over from one to the other and making sure that that uh, works cohesively with whatever team you're working with. Um, In between the collegiate space, you still have some of that crossover, but since each sport is unique in and of itself, you make sure that you are treating each sport as their own entity and you're doing whatever the team wants um, and what is best for the fans in that stadium or in that arena um, that you can provide the best opportunity and moment for both your student athletes first and foremost, but your fans that want to have an affinity for a school or uh, for an organization that just love, whether it's the sport itself or just the team or university as a whole. What are some of the differences in working in arena sports such as basketball, where you have the, say the jumbotron, the video board, you have the audio as opposed to say, softball or baseball that's outdoors and you kind of in a different environment 
So first thing that comes to mind is weather. Um, and in the Pacific Northwest, uh, especially Seattle, we get a lot of rain. So being able to be creative with, if we have a weather delay, are, what songs are you playing? Or um, what are you doing to still engage the fans while you're sitting there for an extra, sometimes up to an hour, maybe two hours? Um, and how do you allow yourself um, to get creative and put yourself in that mindset? Whereas the arena sports, you know you're going to have a video board. You know regardless, rain, snow, sleet, you're going to have a game. Um, so having that um, ability to know that those things are going to be there gives it a little bit of peace of mind, but also pushes your creativity where it's like, okay, now that we know that this is going to ha happen, how do we engage people to want to actually be paying attention to what's happening on the court instead of going on their phone during a timeout? or what cams do we need to put up um, to make them want to make silly faces or uh, give their hug, give a hug to their um, partner or their child that's there? And how do we make it so that's engaging and they are there for the game and the experience? We're, um, I was told this, I can't remember by who, um, but when I initially started is, you're a moment maker. You're like someone at Disneyland that you are building and making their experience the best it can be so that they want to come back. And it is the happiest place on earth. So for me, in that sense, I have to put my hat on of like, okay, what would I as a fan and what would my friends or my family or um, people that I know really enjoy and engage with um, when they come to an event. So it's, there's a lot of handoff that there's crossover, but there's unique, uh, unique abilities to make it their own from an outdoor sport to an indoor sport. All right, before we let you go, we're going to have the sideline report segment. If you've listened to the podcast, you're familiar with it. Uh, so just a couple of quick hit questions here. First one, favorite game you've ever attended while working? Oh God, that's hard. Um, the game, I don't remember. It was either three or four of the WNBA uh, playoffs when we beat the Connecticut Suns. Um, and that was when Sue Bird had the uh, broken nose and it was a full moment. That was probably the coolest. Or the MLS Cup. That's, it's a toss up. Going right after the hometown team in Connecticut here. So uh, starting off strong. <laughs> All right, number two, favorite stadium you've ever attended? No, I'm going to go with uh, now Lumi Field, uh, formerly known as CenturyLink Field. Okay. It's, it's a great one. Or no, that no, I take that back. Uh, Key Arena, because that will forever be uh, a home staple. And now that it's Climate Pledge Arena, I'm excited for uh, the opportunities there. But Key Arena is a staple to Seattle. All right. What about favorite sport to work in? You've worked it a lot. Uh, I would have to say tried and true basketball. All right. Favorite athlete you've worked with or come across while working? The goat, Sue Bird. <laughs> All right. I figured that was the answer, but we had to put it in there to make sure. <laughs> uh, what about your favorite promotion you've done? Oh, that's a difficult one. Um, I worked a Pac-12 tournament back in 2018, um, and it was for Top Golf as a sponsored 
event and they had to make um, a 50 foot putt from one side of the court to the other. Um, and it was, it was one of those moments where they made it and it was nobody else had done it all tournament long. Um, so it was pretty iconic. All right. Um, opening day today. So I figured I'd ask you about the Mariners here. Give me your score prediction for the Mariners game. Now this podcast is being recorded before the game, but will be released after. So we'll have an answer before this. You podcast. know what? I'm never going to count the Mariners out. The uh, 20 year playoff drought that we have experienced thus far. Um, I think we're going to come out with a win today. I'm going to say it's going to be seven, five. Seven five. All right. This podcast was recorded before the game, so I want to throw that out there in case you nail it right on the head. You know what? If I do, then I guess that's just the way the cookie crumbles. <laughs> All right. And final one. That's how we end the show, uh, or at least end the sideline report here. Movie made about you. Who's playing you and what kind of movie is it? Okay. So when I was listening to the other podcast, there is a vast array of different individuals, but... <laughs> big fan of all of them and I was like okay that's very fitting um for me it would probably be like Amy Schumer or someone uh very dry and comedic I don't like to think I'm funny um but I very much can relate to her and being just the quirky uh crazy funny one um and what would the style it would have to be either like a comedy or um uh, an adventure movie like they're coming of not coming of age but like uh the realization of something bigger than yourself um so yeah all right so it looks like you did your homework on this because you had an answer pretty ready well you can't be throwing things at me but that's one of those questions that's just so perfect because you can totally get someone's personality by it all right, and before we end the show, um, as we always do, just a piece of advice for those listening that want to enter the sports field. Yes, of course. So for me, it would be always be willing to put yourself out there, network, build relationships, be ready to grind. Even when you want to give up and things seem hard, keep going uh, because you love what you do and the passion that sports has and your affinity for whether a team, a city, um, just a university um, is always going to keep you going uh, and you will get through it and you will be successful. And thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much. That was University of Washington fan and game day assistant Ann Bacamus joining us along with the University of Washington. She has worked with the Seattle Storm of the WNBA, Seattle Sounders FC of the MLS, Seattle Seawolves of Major League Rugby and the Seattle Dragons of XFL might have the record for most teams worked in the Seattle area. So we'll get an official update on that uh, in a little bit. But uh, once again, and thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thank you so much. Lucky number 24. Go Kobe. <laughs> All right. If you like this episode, you can follow us on Twitter at OTS underscore podcast underscore or on Instagram at OTS underscore pod. Thank you again for listening to the On the Sidelines podcast. I'm Dom Picaro. We will see you for episode 25.